back sometime between the Civil War and the New Deal. A boy was walking with his dog down a country road, and on the way the boy encountered a well-dressed man from town in a carriage. They exchanged some conversation. The man in the carriage admired the boy's dog, and he offered him $50 for it. $50 is a great sum of money back in those days, so the, the boy thought about it, and he agreed to sell his dog. But the man explained that he didn't have the money right there. He said, I'll pay you later. And he said, and you can be assured that I will pay you later because I'm an elder in the Presbyterian church. And so the boy loaded up the dog in the man's carriage, and they went their way. When the boy got home, he asked his dad, Dad, what's an elder in the Presbyterian church? He said, well, it's kind of like a deacon in the Baptist church. And the boy said, well, there goes my dog. <laughs> now, I'm not going to slander Baptist deacons today. I, 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 and you, and you, you can know that because I tell people for whom the evangelical church of America sounds strange and cult-like and not from around here. And, and, I, and a lot of times I explain, I said, well, we're not Baptists, but we're made out of them. And I, and I go on to explain, because in a lot of cases we are, but, but I, especially in this part of the country, and I go on to explain that if, if uh, what most Baptists believe, you know, in the core convictions, you know, the core beliefs, Jesus is God in human flesh, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, he's coming back. That, you know, if they, if, if they believe that, that's, that's just the way we are. The Bible is to be believed. What the Bible teaches, it's to be believed and obeyed. We're just, you know, and when we, if we're, uh, if someone self-identifies as a Baptist and they believe those cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith, we would be slicing it mighty thin before we found something that we were you know, disagreed about or not, didn't believe the same things. So, and if someone is here, it would still be kind of insulted you know, taking that, that Baptist deacons have been insulted today, maybe, then you can explain to me after the service why Wake Forest University, founded by the North Carolina Baptist State Convention in 1833, calls their sports teams the Demon Deacons. I, actually, I've read about it already. And before they were the Demon Deacons, they were the Fighting Baptists. Can you imagine? For the fighting Baptists, and they adopted the. It was like 1923 is when they changed over to Demon Deacons, and they they adopted the name uh, Demon Deacons after a particularly impressive victory. I don't know what sport over the Duke Blue Devils, <laughs> and so they started calling themselves the Demon Deacons. But, but I but I digress. What I really want to talk about today is deacons, deaconesses, and the serving ministries of the church now uh, some of you I, I don't doubt that know more about kind of baptist life than i do but my impression is my general idea is that deacons in the baptist church basically run the church and particularly as the group that holds the purse strings you know that controls the money where the financial decisions are made and that surely derives from the sixth chapter of Acts. You know, how did it get that way? You know, why do they do it that way? That it, it really must derive from the sixth chapter of Acts where no office of deacon is, men, is mentioned. You know, the, the word deacon, is a, it's, a, it's a word that seems, in the Bible it seems to belong to Paul. But that, but that office of uh, deacon is not mentioned 
But surely, surely, and every and when you look at it, almost everybody agrees with this. The function of deacon began in Acts in Acts chapter six, and and here was this here's the situation in this fledgling church as described in Acts chapter six. I read the first seven verses. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. The Hellenists would be the Greeks, Greek-speaking uh, Jewish believers, believers in Christ. They're all believers in Christ in the church here, of course. But they're the Greek-speaking. They're not from around here. You know, they're not from Jerusalem. They're not the Hebrew-speaking. So the, 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 uh, uh, the complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So here's the situation. They were There was a complaint by the Greek speaking Jewish believers that their widows were being overlooked in that daily distribution, whatever that was. Uh, the Hebrew widows always got there somehow. <laughs> they always seemed to be taken care of. and these. Uh, but their own widows were getting nothing sometimes at, and or maybe a lot or something. But there were complaints about it. It wasn't happening for them like it was for the Hebrew-speaking um, widows. And the solution was to turn this daily distribution over to these seven men of faith, integrity, who would be above reproach, who would handle it, and everybody would know that they were going to do the right. They were going to do the right thing, and they're going to see to it that nobody was overlooked. I suspect, how did it get that way? I suspect that it hadn't been terribly organized up to then. I, 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 that there had, I don't think there'd be real malice at work here. You know, that someone was really trying to, you know, favoring the Hebrew widows and purposely seeing to it that the, these others, these outsiders, there's no, you know, not that weren't as as uh, imp seem as important in the church. I, I don't think there's any malice or prejudice here. It's just that they, you know how it is when there's something, it's just the way you've always done it, the way you've done it up to now. Nobody has decided on it. Nobody wrote it down. Nobody, it wasn't a negotiation. This is just, it's just how things work and how things have been working up to now is just proving not that good. <laughs> It's just not working out like it used to work out. And, and the text doesn't exactly say what, and, and you know, the reason, and you know it's, it was not working out because it's not working. It's not working for some of them. And the text doesn't say what the daily distribution was of. 
It doesn't say. The, the New American Standard Version uh, adds a couple of words that are not actually in the text. They're not really there. They're just trying to help you understand what's going on here. And the New American Standard Version at that point says, in the daily distribution of food. Of food. And it, and it adds that. And, and food, you know, the, this, that version italicized supplied words, you know, so you can kind of tell it's not in the original text. It's just added to kind of help you understand what's going on here. And, and, the, uh, and the language of serving tables is not right for us to neglect preaching and teaching to serve. That kind of seems to fit serving tables, that maybe it's, it's of food. But it could have also been of money of money, the daily distribution of money, like the big donation that was given by Barnabas. You remember they sold a piece of property and gave the whole amount of money uh, to, the, to the church and the proceeds of the whole thing. That's at the end of Acts chapter 4. There were others that followed suit or did similarly, let's say, like, An An like Ananias and Sapphira, who, gave, who pretended to give the whole amount but held back and, and, you know, gave some of it, and they said it was all of it because they wanted the glory that Barnabas seemed to be getting. And so, and it didn't work out well for them. <laughs> but that's Acts 5. And so here in, in Acts 6, you know, there's a lot of money in hand. The church has money, and they're, and they're, they're uh, you know, they didn't have a building fund. They didn't do that. They didn't take mission trips. They were distributed it to those who were in need, like the widows who no longer had any support. And so, so you can see, and there would certainly be, if that's what it was, the daily distribution of money, then serving tables would fit there too. There would have to be a table where someone sat and someone counted it out and people came and, you know, and got the daily distribution, whatever it is they were doing. So you can see how that, in the Baptist way of, of doing things, the deacons would come to be those who provided financial oversight over the church. And you can also see how, if you understand it that way, you can also understand how the deacons would basically come to run the church because the one who has the money always is in charge. It doesn't matter what, what the decision is made if there's no money for it. And so you can see how that would, that would uh, come to be. Where the deacons, you know, they're just basically those who run the, the church. I, I haven't personally known of a Baptist church that even, there, there must be some that even have elders. So I've heard many times, we don't have elders, we have deacons. You know, the de deacons run the church. We don't have elders. And then Presbyterians have elders, maybe not deacons, you know, like, like that. But it is, so I, there must be some that have elders and deacons. But... Uh, it is plausible that a Baptist boy would know what a deacon is, but not what an elder is. <laughs> it is clear that these, these people, selected persons in Acts chapter 6, took responsibility for a function of the church that was inappropriate or at least impractical for, tho for the, those who were leading the church and we're teaching the church, you know, providing spiritual leadership and teaching of the church. And, and uh, they're not called deacons in Acts chapter 6, but they certain, certainly function as deacons. And that Greek word 
for deacon, it's, it's really almost transliterated, not translated. It's diakonos or diakonon or depending on the ending, you know, how you use it. Diakonon, deacon, deacon. And it really just means one who serves, one who serves. And it's sometimes the word is used in the New Testament and it's clearly the title of an office like elder. Elder. You could use elder in a, you know, like for an office, so-and-so is an elder in the church, or you could say someone's elderly. But sometimes diaconon or diaconos, sometimes it's an off, clearly an office, a selected person like these seven, like these seven men here. Uh, and sometimes it is, uh, it's kind of used in lower S servant type, you know, just means servant. It doesn't, sometimes it clearly is not referring to an office that someone holds in the church, but a uh, but as a servant. Uh, for example, Paul refers to himself as a diaconon, a deacon. In uh, as sometimes First Corinthians three five, Paul says, "What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. What, here's what they are: they're servants, servants." through whom you believed. Now, Paul there, he's not claiming that we're deacons. We're deacons in the church. You know, he's not saying we hold this office. What's his role? He's an apostle. He's not a deacon. He's not claiming to be deacon. He just says that, you know, we're all servants. You know, Paul, Apollos, we're all just servants of the Lord, servants of uh, through whom you believed. So apostle is a servant too. On the other hand... Paul begins his letter to the Philippians this way. Paul and Timothy, the servants of, servants of Christ Jesus. The, the, the word there is doulos. It means slave. You know, he's slave. It's not that diaconon word. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers or elders and the deacons, diaconon. Deacons. So that ready, you know, everybody in the church. He's writing everybody in the church, but these these people that hold these positions of elder and deacon. So he's so sometimes that core word diaconon sometimes it refers to someone who's recognized, charged, commissioned with being a deacon, and sometimes it's just used in a kind of a generic way as as a servant, a servant. And so while these seven men chosen in Acts chapter 6 are not called deacons there, they're clearly commissioned to serve in a capacity that would later in the church become to be known as deacons. Maybe Paul gave them that name. But they were later called deacons. They were vetted. They were approved by the church to serve in a specific capacity for a specific purpose. They were named. Everybody in the church knew who was one, who wasn't one. Doesn't mean everybody, and we we'll hope everybody in the church would be a servant, right? Lower S servant, yes. But these people were, were, uh, were deacons. They were commissioned to, to, for a certain task. They're not the teachers of the church. They're not the leaders of the church. But they enabled the teaching and spiritual leadership of the church by taking responsibility uh, that that are necessary and proper functions of the church, so that, that so that the apostles' ministry wouldn't be impeded. They wouldn't have to be be doing these things. Apostles couldn't do everything, at least not well. 
And of course, when you think about it, the, the Lord has designed and gifted the church this way intentionally. He's done it so that we need each other. He's made it so that we need each other. The whole church is not an eye. The whole church is not a tongue. The whole church is not, an, you know, it's, it, we, we need everybody. And that's the way God has made us. And the church has been designed by God in such a way that we need each other if we're to be what we're supposed to be and do what we are supposed to do. Now, after the sobering and humbling character requirements for elders in 1 Timothy 3, there's a passage concerning deacons. 1 Timothy 3.8, deacons likewise. Likewise means like the elders that we just talked about paragraph before. We didn't read it today. But, you know, elders must be this and that, not this and not that. You know, elders have to be this. Likewise, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. And then, I know you have questions, and some of these we're going to talk about next week. We're going to go over these kind of these qualifications and why they're important, but not today. But after that, it gets complicated. <laughs> in the passage, in 1 Timothy 3, and it's important to understand the kind of the linguistic possibilities. If, the, if you use the New International Version of the of the Bible, which many of you do, the next verse reads this way. In the same way, the women, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. The women. If you use the New American Standard Version, of the Bible. It reads this way. This is a Bible I grew up on. I got a lot of memory verses still. I stumbled mixing up the New American Standard and English Standard Version. But if it, it reads this way. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And then what follows in all translations that I know of is a continuing discussion of the care or continuing discussion, description of the character qualifications of those who would serve as deacons in the church. And here's English Standard Version. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now here's the question. What do... There's that verse about women. <laughs> what do women have to do with deacons what why is this admonition admonition of women or certain women what's it doing right in the middle and you, you can take that down Zane you what's that doing right in the middle of this uh, this list of character qualifications for deacons now, here's what it can't be, and I don't think you would say that this, this can't be this. Certainly, this is not just Paul going off on a rabbit trail in the middle of his conversation, like he does sometimes, 
the deacons must be this and they must be that. And by the women, by the way, you women in the church, you need to, you know, you need to do some things too. You need to, you know, step up your game. Don't be gossipy. You know, be serious people, sober, dignified. Now, let's see, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, deacons. I was talking about deacons must, you know, certainly he's not just goes off on a rabbit trail and talks to women in general, Christian women in general. And by the way, you ought to be these things too. Uh, you know, you like this too, but let's get back to talk about deacons again. That can't be how to understand this passage. These, these women is spoken of in verse 11 have to have something to do with deacons or deaconing, or in other words, it's something to do with the serving ministries of the church, the things that enable the teaching and spiritual leadership ministries of the church. And the question is, what is that connection? Now, the, the Greek word is, is gunaikos, and this, this is, gets confusing and complicated, and I hope I'm, you're kind of getting a handle on it here. But it can be translated, just like deacons can be small as servant or really deacon of the church. Gunaikos, that is translated women in the two, verse, in the two passages or the two translations we, you saw, can be women or it can also be wives. It can be translated as wives. But whether it's women or whether it's wives, they have something to do with deaconing, <laughs> this office of deacon in the church. And there are two basic ways. There are probably four or five different views, but there are really two basic ways that that connection is made because the connection, it's, it's, there's some connection. Who are these women? Here's one way to what do we do with that verse that talks about the women must be dignified, etc. One is that 1 Timothy 3.11, Paul is talking to women who would serve in this capacity as deacons or deaconesses, if you prefer. Uh, deacons were usually men. Way to think about this. Deacons were usually men. They were certainly men in Acts chapter 6. And they, but women did serve. And Paul is saying these, they should be more spiritually and more qualified too. And we have an example of this in Romans 16. Here's the NIV translation of Romans 16, chapters 1 and 2, uh, chapters, verses 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon, our sister. If you didn't know Phoebe was a female name, you know, our, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the, of the church at Centria, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greek word, of course, is diakonon. Diakonon. Uh, and you know, of course, how other translations treat this a lot of other translations they just describe instead of deacon it's just small s servant she's a servant which is another way it can be used servant of the church of century and but you know a lot of times if your bible says right there acts uh, romans 16 verse 1 if your bible says servant it's almost certainly got a little footnote by it and you look down at the bottom and it says, or deaconess, 
or deacon because it can be either way. English, English, uh, but that's one way to relate. That's one way to relate uh, the women of First, First Timothy 3.11 to deacons and deaconing, which is to say in context. The other way to relate these women in First Timothy 3.11 is the context. You can see it in the other translations. Here's English Standard Version, which we, which we use most of the time in this, in this church, and what I preach from and what the pew Bible's there. Their wives. You see that? The, the other ver- NIV said deacon, you know, the women, just women, New American Standard, women must be. But this says their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. All things. King James agrees. Here's King James. Even so must their wives be grave. <laughs> not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. Now, one thing we have to say, I think, to be clear and to be fair, is that in the Greek text... There's no there, there. There's no there. You see, T-H-E, their wives. The there is supplied to kind of help you understand what the translators think is going on here. Because it's not a general admonition to wives. You know, there are general admonition to wives, aren't there? And husbands? Husbands love your wives. That's all of them. Wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. That's all of them. This can't be all of them. This can't be all wives because it's got to have something to do with these deacons. So some, you know, one way of taking it is say these are women who, who are serving and able to serve in the capacity as deacons or deaconesses. And the other way is to say this like this. No, it's the wives of deacons who must be, you know, temperate in these things. They're grave if you want to go that route. <laughs> Um, let me tell you, that's kind of technical, but it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's some kind of you need to know to know where you are on this, you know, to know how we got to our position. And let me tell you why I believe the first explanation is, is right. Although it is difficult, it is difficult, and I think you have to, you know, maybe not be dogmatic, you know, if the church does it some other way, they, they are absolutely wrong. Uh, but let me tell you why we think here that Paul in 1 Timothy 3.11, Paul is, is kind of recognizing the possibility that, of women serving in that deacon-deaconess role. First, and mainly, in the preceding paragraph in the... In the uh, uh, description of, of character qualifications, spiritual qualifications, moral qualifications for elders. There is no parallel set of requirements. There's no parallel verse for what about elders' wives? There are no wives. There's no, in the, in the, in the above, you know, the, the preceding context, there's no, there's no something. The elders have to be this and that and this and that and this and that. And not this, not that. And their wives, too. Their wives should be, you know, should be this or that. You know, there's nothing like that. Why not? And once again, it, it just, it cannot be. 
that deacons' wives are more susceptible to misbehavior and sins than the wives of elders. Uh, that isn't credible. I, I have heard it said that the mention, that the mention of uh, women and wives in 1 Timothy 3.11 about deacons is because deacons' wives are going to be involved in the ministries of their husbands in a way that elders' wives are not. But that, and that's, that's not bad. That's not a bad explanation. But it certainly goes well beyond the text and uh, the instruction in the biblical text itself. And it seems more natural to, for the text to be saying that women are mentioned in 1 Timothy 3.11 because they well may be serving in this kind of role. It is expected that some would. Even if it was kind of well, more unusual <laughs> in Paul's time. And, there, you know, there's just this Phoebe in Romans 16 and, you know, and the, and the seven men in Acts chapter 6, you, you probably, you know, they probably, it was not so common, but it was there and it wasn't against the rules. It wasn't forbidden. Uh, secondly, there's Phoebe in Romans 16. Should we... Should we understand her as a small s servant, not a deacon, because she's a woman? And by the way, there's no mention of her husband. It doesn't say, and I commend to you Phoebe, who is really a strong help to her husband, the deacon. There's no mention like, like that at all. She is a diaconon. <laughs> And she's a good one. And when you read Romans 16, it's full of greet so-and-so. This is a servant. This is a great. But Phoebe gets two verses. She, it's, it's, uh, she seems to be highlighted. So what does it all have to do with us? Faith Bible Fellowship, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Well, here's, here's why I think it's important to think through this for us now. Uh, we find ourselves in kind of an Acts chapter 6 situation. A church planting today in the uh, Evangelical Free Church is fantastic. They recruit church planters. They vet church planters. They coach church planters. Locations are determined strategically. There's often a sponsoring church. There's a strategy. There are interest meetings. A few months of interest meetings. There's a pre-launch, and then there's a launch. When Robin and I came here with our family in 1987, church planting in the Evangelical Free Church, church of America was a willing person and a pin on a map. That's what it was. Here it is on the map. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> Peace be warm, be filled. Hope you make it. The first time, I, I, I've said this before, the first time I was ever in a uh, worship service of the Evangelical Free Church, I was conducting 
the service. So in a way, I've re never really known if we did it right or not. <laughs> we had, when, when, our, when the church met in our home on Georgia Avenue, here in Oak Ridge, one day there was a check on the, we didn't take an offering just like we don't take one here, but the, one day there was a check on the mantle. When everybody left, there was a check on the mantle. And we, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't know what to do. We didn't have elders. We didn't have a board. We bought, we had a need for some, you know, we had a few more people than we had places to sit in the living room. And we bought a, a, some of these brown chairs, some of which, as you can see, still survive. We, went, we bought a, some stack chairs. But that was the, but that was the, uh, the, the beginning of, you know, our, that was the first donation we ever got. And that was what we did with it. Cashed it and went and bought the chairs. We had no elders, no constitution, no protocols, no procedures, no nothing. And somehow it all worked out until it didn't. <laughs> and we had to do something different. You know, you know, like with the finances. When money Now, when money's given, I don't take the money, go cash a check and go buy something. <laughs> We've grown, we've grown well past that, you know. So, so we uh, sometimes when we had to change something, sometimes we became more orderly, sometimes we became more biblical, sometimes more effective, and we've come a, a long way in lots of ways. But in other ways, we have growing up to do as a church. I, I'm think I think I'm beginning to see, to be able to see, how God sovereignly prepared me in my pre-faith Bible fellowship life in Dallas for my experience here over the past quarter century or so uh, because I was the property manager for an investment company that purchased old dilapidated multi-unit residential properties with the hope of selling the property for development later at a profit and within a 10 mile radius or so uh, there would be a building with eight apartments in it here, eight rooms in it here, or, you know, little apartments, another with four, another with five, and maybe a duplex over here. And there was, it, it, at, the, at the most, it was up to 70-some units, you know, all scattered here and there in this small area. And my job was to keep these units functioning and rented between the purchase and the sale a few years later. And I had a budget to stay under. And so I would pay the plumber one time to put a hot water heater, but I would watch what he did, and I'd put in the rest myself <laughs> when that came up. And that's the way it was with the plumber, and that's the way it was with the electrical guy, and that's the way it was with the sheetrock and the painting and the mowing and the window replacement. And I, I, learned, a, I learned a lot of how to, you know, put Band-Aids and duct tape and old... I learned a lot about taking care of stuff and old properties and I had no idea at the time that I was being groomed and prepared to be kind of a caretaker of this of this ancient structure <laughs> over the past couple of decades and you know the way it happened I mean God made me to be the solo pastor of a first generation uh, church in a 70 year old building so there are things, and so where we've come to now, there are things in the church that in the past have typically fallen to me to do, even if I haven't done them well, even if I had them done them in a very timely way, that I probably can't do anymore. 
and since my cancer treatments began my the most significant side effect has been exhaustion fatigue and uh, and so while I can I can kind of sit for long periods and think and and write and and prepare pretty much like before the more physical activities you know just uh, just exhausting in in recent weeks I'll, t I'll tell you this I've been well I'll just tell you it just came over me washed over me and I went in the nursery and laid down on the floor I could I couldn't look I couldn't go down in the searchlights room and lay on the sofas because you all were preparing the the, uh, the party you were having and I thought I hope nobody comes up here sees me laying in the floor they're gonna call an ambulance and they, <laughs> they're gonna think oh my gosh he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> it looked it, it looked awful but it just it was just uh, overwhelming and it and so you know just as it's come about you know there are light fixtures. Uh, inside and out that that I've had of that I've been of a mind to change for months <laughs> and uh, wood to stain and repairs to make that just aren't getting done anymore and people there's there are people you know uh, Bill Walls and Tom Damon have just seen some it just something needs to be done they just on their own just have done it John and Leslie John and Leslie Reynolds you know just to, to see this that has to be done and and done it and I know there and there are others uh, um, uh, Paul Paul hopping before his accident he I'd see him here on a Mondays or Tuesdays Tuesdays you know he's do, do working just working nobody nobody asked him to nobody play, you know so there are people that have that have uh, stepped up and, and done these things and there's certainly others I know there have to be there are others I'm gonna stop naming you but I can I, as I look at you I can think of things that you've you've done but this this kind of haphazard you know th this plan there's no plan but say somebody will notice and somebody will do it <laughs> that kind of haphazard undirected unpaid for I don't mean paying for the labor but even paying for things to that you need to fix things um, it's had a shelf life and it's it's done and it's time to do better and so here's here's why we went through all this discussion you know so that you know what the issues are you know why you know why do you do it that way at faith bible fellowship you know why can you know women women deacons well they, it's not like the baptist church they don't run the church they don't hold the purse strings we understand it differently here's why it's important because we need men and women who will serve as deacons not to do all the work on the facility and grounds but to be the ones who are seeing to it who are keeping up with and paying attention to what needs to be done who can who can prepare and give some direction for when we have a half work day like we do sometimes uh, on a Saturday uh, there should there should be designated people to tell who do you tell when the commode in the ladies room is running and won't stop uh, when the rain gutters hanging off the building when the exhaust fan isn't working who do you tell 
besides me, which has never been a terribly good idea. <laughs> In other words, it really hasn't worked as it should. We haven't had complaints from the Hellenists yet, but we're kind of there. In, a, in another area of service, a, de a diaconon is a servant. Another area of service that we would like to see a functioning deacons group, and I'm saying that, I'm trying to avoid the word diaconate because that's what I think, you know, what's the group? A diaconate. That sounds like, uh, I don't know, too academic or something. But another area that, that we would like to see a, a diaconate, you know, a deacons group take responsibility for and have authority over is the administration of our, or at least a portion, of our benevolence fund. As it has evolved in our church, or failed to evolve, however you want to look at it, <laughs> I am the go-to person for making disbursements from our benevolence fund. Now, it isn't written down anywhere, but our practice, and the elders know this, is that when I know of a need or if someone just comes to the church or calls on the phone or something, and I am authorized to give up to $50 for just on my own judgment, you know, no, I don't have to get approval or anything, I can just do it. Larger needs or requests require the elders, you know, um, permission, uh, authorization. And, and to be honest about it, we prefer the larger disbursements because when, when we help someone, we kind of would like to help them significantly and not just kind of every time the phone rings and nickel and dime that benevolence fund to death and give people $10 and $20 and $50 uh, and so that we, when, a, when a need comes up that someone needs a, 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 a month's rent paid or they need a new refrigerator, or they need a new washing machine, or that, you know, that we can't help them because we've got 10 and 20. So I say no a lot, or I refer to ADFAC that we support for things like that because they vet people and all. But so we kind of prefer the larger disbursements because when someone needs help, they really they don't need a token. They need help. And apart from that, from me knowing about something and either going to the elders about it or me just deciding to give some money, what happens sometimes is that a need becomes known to some people in the church, but either I don't know or nobody comes to me about it, and people just write a check to the church, and they write in the memo, I want this to be given to so-and-so. And we, we've passed it through. And I don't, we had, we had this with, with me when I was first diagnosed. People, some of you gave gifts and through the church, and we had a, we kind of had a legal issue about that, right? You know, is this really, is this, and it turned out that we did have a legal issue. So wouldn't it be better if there were, so in other words, someone wants to, the, the church wants to do something for somebody. We have a benevolence fund just for that, helping people that need help. Would you really tell someone, well, you've got to talk to Pastor Chris about it. You know, maybe he can get it done or take the elders or get it in the grapevine. Get it in the grapevine, probably someone will respond. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be better 
if there were designated people who could take us beyond that kind of haphazard, homegrown way we've always done it that sort of works, but maybe not sometimes. If there were people who knew what the church had done for this person or not done for that person, Or someone who's in real financial need, or they know about it, or there's someone who needs meals for a few days of sickness, or a, and really needs physical help at their home. So, so here's, you know, here's. I want you to you know, you want to know the Bible, right? You kind of want to know these issues. You know what deacons and what they are and what they do, and can the women be deacons? Can they not? But in terms of the, the church, we need these servants whom the Bible calls deacons and or deaconesses. And as I said about something else before, this is the right time since all the other right times have already passed. <laughs> and they're gone and we can't go back. Next week... We'll look at these biblical and spiritual character requirements. We'll look at them that we just glossed over. You know, what do those mean? Holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, what's that mean? <laughs> and, and, and see why they're important for these people who would be recognized serving as, as deacons. But what I'd like to ask generally before that, you, know, you might not want to agree to it and say, okay, before you know what the requirements are. <laughs> but... I, that what I want to leave you with is think about, pray about, or even some of you may know right now, is are you willing to serve in this way should your church entrust you to do so so that the ministry can go forward more effectively? Will you serve the Lord in this way, not in leadership not like the elders not in this kind of leadership kind of not teaching but in serving as a diaconon <laughs> uh, serving the lord serving his church serving your church enabling the ministries of those who lead and, and teach yeah there's a, in the bulletin you can respond right now if you're ready and let us know your availability, your openness to it. But, uh, but that's what to, that's what leave with with that. Am I willing to? If I were one of those seven, you know, if I were no, we're not saying seven, but if I were one of those, would I do it? Would I be willing to do it? Uh, Lord, we see a need. In some ways, it's a new one. In other ways, it's a one we've had a very long time. Uh, stir the hearts of your people to serve in a new way, at least for our church. Uh, bless the church and its ministry through your design, your direction for it. Help every person who would call Faith Bible Fellowship in some sense their church or even where they go to church to see the church as it is. Something far greater than the sum of its parts. Something far greater than a provider of spiritual goods and services but something holy, something precious in your sight, a special possession of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for it and who gives it its life. 
Increase the church by saving souls through faith in Christ. Strengthen the church by strengthening the faith of the believing. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.